Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One of the things that I try to stay true to over the course of time doing this program is I like soliciting feedback. I like people telling me what they think about the show, what they think about the way in which we present Georgia information each and every day, because this is something we do for our audience. We want our audience to be satisfied by what we do. Thankfully, I don't hear too much like incredibly negative criticism. And I realize that some people, uh, you know, don't like me or don't like the show. You can't please everybody. I've given up on trying to do that a long time ago. But at least in terms of really big amplified messages, I don't hear too much excessively negative criticism. I'm not quite so sure my psyche could take it if I did. Uh, thankfully, I don't have to worry about that too much. But every now and then, there's a BA, could you do this better? BA, you know, how about, you know, make me making this a little bit different? And I'm always like really grateful to hear that because honestly, the show can't be as good as it can. We want it to be as good as it can be if we don't listen to what people are telling us. And so a couple of days ago, I actually got an example of this. You may remember we spent some time talking in the aftermath of the NFL draft, but the Georgia players had a chance to be first-round picks for the upcoming NFL draft. And what we said was, and some of you said we said this over and over again, is that if Georgia wants to be a national championship team, you've got to have multitudes of first-round picks, and the recent history of college football tells us that. Some of you said that I probably hammered that point a little too hard, a little too on the nail uh, about that. And while I am very respectful of the feedback I got on that, the honest truth is, is I feel like that even at the risk of being repetitive, that point was so important it was worth making again and again and again that Georgia's national championship fate for the upcoming year rests in the idea of how much top-end talent can it, it can produce. And by the way, if you want to check out, like, say, Mike Griffith's most recent story at DogNation.com or one of his most recent stories at DogNation.com, the early look ahead of the 2022 draft kind of features, you know, a lot of Georgia names, according to Mel Kuyper, but no obvious first-rounder there. And that ought to be a little bit of a warning of, ooh, is Georgia really going to be as good as we think they can be, as those of us who cheer for Georgia want want it to be, if it doesn't have that kind of top-end talent we talked before. So with all of that said, let me kind of make a similar point today, but I want to use a completely different data set to make this point. And it still reinforces the idea that top-end talent matters to national championship teams, but it's completely different than the NFL draft evidence would, you know, that, that's been used in the past. I saw where Athlon Sports, by the way, the Athlon Sports College Football Preview will be on newsstands, I think, by, by next week, right? I mean, this is usually the time of year that all those magazines come out. Last year was a little bit different because of global pandemic and everything else. More back to normal this year. So the Athlon and the Lindy's and all those magazines that typically come out this time of year, they should be coming out. Well, Athlon Online, and you'll see this in the magazine when it comes out there as well, has its preseason all-SEC team up. And they have first team, second team, third team, fourth team. They have the all-SEC team up there at AthlonSports.com. And unfortunately, Georgia only has two First-team All-SEC players. It's got Jamari Salyer as a first-team offensive lineman, at least according to Athlon Sports, 
and Jordan Davis as a first-team All-SEC defensive tackle. But those are the only two, at least on the offense and the defense, I should say. Those are the only two first-team – I think Jake Martin may be the first-team punter. Uh, so, but, but in terms of the offense and defense, it's just those two. And I think Kamara may be the uh, first-team punter there as well. I want to make sure I give uh, Jake full credit uh, for obviously what he's doing as a specialist there. But the reason why I say unfortunately in terms of that number – is because if you go back and look at Alabama a year ago, not the preseason, but the postseason, the actual list that came out, Alabama last year had nine first-team All-SEC selections. A uh, year before that, the, the national champion from 2019, LSU, they had six first-team All-SEC selections. So much the same way the NFL draft can potentially provide as a hint to this, the All-SEC selections, at least in terms of the preseason prognostication that's out there right now, I think you're led you know, to kind of draw the same conclusion that right now it does not look like Georgia has enough top-end talent, high-end production from its best players to really be a, a national championship team. Now, I realize what you're going to say when I, back to me when I say that. B.A., what are you doing? It's Dog Nation days of summer tonight. You know, it's a beautiful Friday. We're about to have super hot weather next week, but it's still kind of a little bit of remnants left of spring. Why are you being negative on a Friday? Now, I totally respect that question, and my response to that is that while that's the kind of initial takeaway from all of this, it doesn't have to be the way that this ends up being in conclusion, that you actually can have a more positive outcome than this. Because while it right now seems like with just a couple, you know, a small handful of names for Georgia on that first team list, you know, there are still more opportunities for more guys to emerge. In total, there's a first team, a second team, a third team, and a fourth team. You know, Georgia actually has the same number of all SEC selections in total. If you count all four teams and count the special teams and everything else, Georgia's got 15 total names on the Athlon list. That's the same number that Alabama has. The one thing that Georgia doesn't quite have, though, are those guys from, like, say, the third and the fourth team who you hope to kind of see move their way up to the first team to really match what recent national champions have been able to do. So the no, the news is not all bad. The news is actually somewhat hopeful. The news is actually, you know, you know, reason for optimism that some of those third team, fourth team guys that Athlon sees could actually outperform their preseason projection and kind of work their way up to kind of a first round situation before, or I should say, a first team All SEC situation before it's all said and done but more importantly than that when you look at what Alabama did a year ago and what LSU did a year ago I think the one thing that you're left to conclude is the way in which the quarterback in particular kind of serves as a lever to raise the performance of uh, of other players on a roster that was obviously true for Mac Jones last year him having a first team all SEC type season made it more possible for Devontae Smith to enjoy great success and Najee Harris to enjoy great success and kind of on and on you go they had a great offensive line of course last year too certainly that was true for Joe Burrow in 2019 the way that he raised the level of performance for Jamar Chase and Clyde Edwards Helaire and all the other names right there and so if you're Georgia and if you would agree with my premise and stipulate it's true that to have a national championship type season, you've got to have a lot of players on your roster perform at kind of a top-end level, either measured by future first-round picks, which we've done before, or as we're doing today, measured by first-team all-SEC selections at the end of the year. If you get that kind of performance from your quarterback, then you can generally count on other players kind of joining you in that discussion there as well. And I want to zero in on three of these just for a moment, because 
there are three skill position players, not as first team level, but as all SEC level, like second team, third team, fourth team, three skill position players on the Georgia roster who I think you could really see benefit if JT Daniels has the type of season that, that you think is possible for him. Athlon right now lists him as the third team All-SEC quarterback behind Matt Corral from Ole Miss, who there's huge expectations for this year working with Lane Kiffin. The second team All-SEC quarterback, according to Athlon, is going to be Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, which may be just kind of a byproduct of the fact that we've seen Alabama quarterbacks you know play so well you know recently that, that you know maybe they just sort of expect Bryce Young to sort of step in there and keep all of that going. But if Daniels could exceed the, the the Bryce Young performance, if he could exceed the Matt Corral performance, and if he himself could become a first-team All-SEC quarterback, then all of a sudden he's probably taken a few more of the Georgia skill position players with him. And all of a sudden now, at the end of the year, when you start making the real list, the guys who actually finish the year as first-team All-SEC players, all of a sudden Georgia's total on that could look a little bit more like what a Bama looked like a year ago or an LSU looked like the year before that. So quickly here, here are the names worth mentioning. First of all, it's Jermaine Burton at wide receiver. And listen, you could kind of tout a bunch of different wide receivers for Georgia, especially in light of the George Pickens injury, who steps in and benefits from those stats. Adani Mitchell shined on G-Day. Obviously, Arian Smith has kind of recently shown off his blazing speed based on what he's been doing in the track program. And, you know, Demetrius Robertson comes back. Justin Robinson has earned a lot of buzz. A lot of these guys are out there in California right now working out uh, with JT Daniels. Of course, Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint and, and Dominic Blaylock looking to come back from injury. You can make a case for a lot of these guys here for Georgia this year, but I think the safest bet seems like Burton. We saw him playing last year. He is, you know, after a little bit of a, a brief scare of injury uh, during spring, he is thought to be healthy coming into the uh, summer and into the upcoming season. Had a gigantic performance last year against Mississippi State. He just sort of seems like the safest bet here among the Georgia wide receivers to really kind of emerge as a big season. Now you need more than Burton, but if you're you know kind of putting some chips down on you know various guys, it, it might be a little easier to make the case for Burton than for others right now, based on what you saw him do a year ago and based on what you think he's set up to do here for this upcoming season. He did make the Athlon list of all SEC performers not a first team guy but on the list of of all SEC performers and I think a lot of Georgia fans kind of understand why that is so you make the case there then you talk about Zamir White the Georgia running back who also made the list for Athlon Sports in terms of its all SEC list once again not a first team guy but a guy who is on the list and if JT Daniels has the kind of year that Georgia fans hope that he has. If he emerges as the first team All-SEC quarterback, then you better believe that a running back in the Georgia rotation will benefit from that. Now, maybe it ends up being a different back. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of depth for Georgia at that position right now, but White was the guy who was tabbed by Athlon as a potential All-SEC name. Now, we understand at Georgia RBU, they're going to be looking to run the football. But what you saw from Georgia on G-Day, though, was – and this obviously would seem to be a little bit of a precursor of what's maybe going to happen during the season there as well. What you saw from Georgia on G-Day was they also looked to throw the ball to these backs there too. A lot of Georgia running backs, really all, all four of the Georgia running backs that played most prominently during G-Day had a lot. I think didn't all four of them have at least five catches on G-Day, Zamir White included. So when you think about White's potential progression as an all-SEC player, not just running the football, but catching the ball from JT Daniels, that's potentially a big 
big part of that there as well. In fact, after G-Day was over back in April, Daniels postgame in his press conference talked about just how enthusiastic he is to throw the ball to these running backs in kind of check down situations as much as he possibly can. And certainly that could potentially be a recipe for an all-SEC season for wider or one of these other backs. This is JT Daniels on that topic. I love throwing the ball deep, and you see it a lot, but uh... – Especially when you have James, uh, James, you know, Zamir, Kendall, all the guys we have. Uh, I think ch- checkdowns in general are the most underrated, underappreciated aspect of the offense. Uh, you know, at a bare minimum, it's it's easy to throw. At a bare minimum, it's three yards, and that's if the first guy tackles them. Uh, it, it's very, very rare that the first guy tackles any of our running backs. So, you, you know, if the defense wants to bring vertical pressure and drop back and play soft, or they're playing good coverage. Uh, you know, yeah, if I have to check down 10 times in a row, I'll check it down 10 times in a row. There's there's no, uh, you know, there's there's no problem with that for me. So if you want to make Zamir White into a true first team all SEC running back, catching those kinds of passes like the ones that JT Daniels just described would certainly be a big recipe for that. If Daniels has a big season, it stands to reason that at least one of the Georgia backs would have a big season there as well. Athlon seems to think it's going to be Zamir White. Then there's this. The third player who I think could really benefit the most from a very big season from JT Daniels. If Daniels is first team all SEC, it stands to reason this guy might be as well. And that's Darnell Washington, the Georgia tight end. Washington is another UGA skill player who got an all SEC nod from Athlon. They had him as their fourth team tight end. That's a guy that could benefit from the prolific passing numbers that Daniels provides. Obviously, that creates even more stats for Darnell Washington. And based on the buzz that we've been hearing about Darnell going through spring practice and what we saw with our own eyes during G-Day, it truly might be his time to shine. And as Daniels gets more comfortable in the Georgia offense, someone like Darnell has a big chance to benefit from that. Uh, Daniels was certainly very complimentary of Darnell after G-Day back in April. One more from JT in his post-G-Day press conference. Yeah, you definitely do see a development in him. You know, last year, obviously, when you're coming from high school football to a real you know, Coach Monk in NFL system in college, uh, there's a there's a shock that hits you right away, um, you know, just because there's so much to it. Uh, you see it this year. Um, he gets a signal right away, and he knows what he's doing. He's not thinking twice about it compared to last year. You know, everyone that's new has, a, you know, a lot of mental errors, and, you know, it's just, it's just new. Um, and in terms of his development physically, I think he's gotten a lot smoother um, in terms of getting in and out of breaks. Um, and he's always had good instinct, but it's gotten even better to me in terms of understanding where the ball is going to be thrown, uh, understanding where his grass is, uh, and really taking advantage of you know his size. To me, that sounds like a guy that could become first-team All-SEC tight end if Daniels is also able to put up the kind of passing numbers that we think are possible for him. So let me try to summarize this all up in kind of a nice, clean, neat fashion. I don't want to sugarcoat this. Right now, whether you're looking at Mel Kuyper's early look at the 2022 draft or Athlon Sports' early look at all SEC performers in the SEC, right now it does not appear that Georgia has enough top-end projected performers to win a national championship. But the news is actually better than that. There are plenty of guys in the mix to emerge as 
what Georgia needs to actually get that done. 15 total guys make the all-SEC list for Athlon if you count the first, second, third, and fourth teams. If you're a UGA fan, you just need some of those third and fourth team guys to work their way up to the at least the second team, if not the first team, to make Georgia the best it can possibly be. And if you get the kind of year you're hoping for from JT Daniels, all of a sudden it becomes easier for guys like Jermaine Burton and Samir White and Darnell Washington, possibly others, to also kind of raise their level of play there as well. It is a very important offseason for Georgia with the talented players in this roster looking to develop to their full potential. And if they do, that's obviously a huge part of UGA's championship formula. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger and Glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio at noon, and Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. So glad to have you with us. You see me decked out in my uh, Braves jersey here today, Gator Hater t-shirt underneath that. Uh, because we are looking forward to Dog Nation days of summer here tonight. We'll tell you more about that as the program rolls along. But big thanks to Kroger for making all of our show possible here today. And, of course, as you uh, head towards the uh, summer here there as well, many of you also looking for that job opportunity right now. That's one of the great things about Kroger. They are looking to step up and help people who are looking for work. They're hiring for several positions at all stores. And this is uh, more than just a paycheck. This is a total rewards package. It is a rewarding career and a huge journey that you can go on here. You can get, in in some cases, tuition reimbursement, associate discounts, partner perks, so much more. Uh, They're really stepping up to support their workforce here. I think that's a great thing to see. So just go by your local Kroger or Kroger.com and find out how you can get involved there. Uh, a company that really loves its workers and wants to take care uh, of its folks and actually looking forward to welcoming in some new employees here too. That's our friends at Kroger. Make sure you check that out today at your local Kroger or online at Kroger.com. All right, we're going to get Jeff Sintel here in a moment on the road with him, assisted by AAA. He has been on the road, and there's a lot of recruiting news to get to with him. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse. And on Tuesday's show, we talked a little bit about what I thought had been Kind of a quiet rollout for Georgia and its brand new football facility, its new weight room and its new offices and its new meeting space. It's kind of, you know, kind of sandwiched right in there between the Specktown's track facility and the indoor facility and the uh, Buttsmere Heritage Hall, which now will serve as, you know, the, the offices for some of the other athletics. You know, it seems like we just hadn't heard that much about it. There was a video that Georgia showed the other day of the coaches kind of, you know, showing up and seeing their offices for the first time and all of a sudden, now on social media, we're starting to get a little bit more of your customary, you know, kind of hype for something like this. I'll show you some of this video as we talk here around the doghouse. But it was kind of cool to see some of the Georgia players walking around, their reaction to seeing this new facility. A few of them call it, you know, like best in the country type stuff. And if you're watching a video, you obviously see, you know, the legitimate reaction here. Uh, players very impressed by what they're seeing. They're very happy about their new home. And I don't have to tell you this. You already know this. The timing in all this could not be better for Georgia as it gets ready to welcome in a bunch of recruits coming in for the month of June. And as a way of getting even more recruits who want to take those visits, you know, obviously here at Dog Nation World Headquarters Studios, we're in a kind of a studio space, but around us is nothing but offices. 
Uh, you know, people who work in offices love office vernacular, and a lot of that's acronyms. Sometimes our salespeople talk about VBRs, valid business reasons. You pick up the phone, you want to have a valid business reason to make a call because there's a better chance of getting a positive response. Well, a brand new building is kind of a valid business reason to get on the phone with a recruit or that recruit's family or whatever else and say, hey, Come here, we've got something cool and new to show you. The other schools around the South, they're showing you the same old thing that you could have seen, you know, two years ago. But we got this brand new facility. It's just opened up. And as now you're able to take visits because the rec- recruiting restrictions have been lessened, come on over here and take a look and see this. That's a pretty good reason to get a recruit on the phone and a pretty good reason to get a recruit to stop by and see your campus. We already know it's going to be a busy June for Georgia. And the opening of this facility, it seems like it's rolling out just in time here. It's certainly a great way to do even more of that. That is Around the Doghouse here today on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. I mentioned the Braves before. I'm obviously decked out in Braves gear here today. We've got our big event tonight. Unfortunately, that's sold out. But there is a lot of great things going on with the uh, Braves as we head towards the month of June. Of course, you know, summer is almost uh, here. School is about to be out. And it's always fun around Braves games once the kids are out of school and everybody, all the families are kind of going to these games all the time. Always a great thing to be able to see. And you can kick off your summer with the Atlanta Braves here coming up. Of course, we head towards Memorial Day. That's going to be a very special military appreciation um, uh, game there against the Washington Nationals. Such a cool thing to do as we kind of combine our patriotism with our love for baseball that's going to be a great time and head towards june you got some big matchups coming in early june you got the dodgers uh coming to town you got red Sox. you got the cardinals coming in of course uh fireworks every friday who doesn't love a nice uh, fireworks display there on a friday night there in the uh, summer that's good stuff there as well gates open on early on saturday so you get a chance to watch batting practice that's always a fun thing to be able to do of course you got sunday games you got kids giveaways there for those 14 and under and all the and we took advantage of this. We were at the game a couple of Sunday nights ago uh, against the Phillies and the Hope and Will Sandlot, where you have you know all those you know kind of like carnival style kid games, little baseball themed kid games, all that stuff. We actually took advantage of that with my kids. They were you know, they were free there on Sunday nights. My kids love that. They just like bounce from one line to the next, going through and doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, that is a great great time. So make sure you check out the website. It's Braves.com/tickets. Braves.com/tickets and enjoy what's going to be a great, great summer with the Atlanta Braves. We're going to be there tonight for our Dog Nation Days of Summer. If you couldn't get tickets for that, check out the Dodgers and the and, and the Red Sox, Cardinals, all these big brands coming in over the course of the uh, next month, and uh, great stuff there on Memorial Day there as well. So Braves.com slash tickets for a lot more on that. All right, great to have you with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Very interesting look at what one of the big national outlets thinks about the rest of the SEC coaches and the coaches on Georgia's schedule for this upcoming season. We'll do that before we're done on today's program. But for now, on everything related to UGA recruiting, including a big update on one of Georgia's top prospects, let's go on the road, assisted by AAA, with Jeff Sintel right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. It's on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel, and Jeff legitimately has been on the road over the course of the last couple of days. Had a chance to visit with four-star running back Branson Robinson, see him in action, and obviously before this conversation is done, I certainly want to get a what stands as a crucial update on the situation with Robinson. But, Jeff, before we get to that, let me do a couple of other things. I was just showing some video of Georgia. It seems like it, I guess, is coming a little later than I thought it was, although maybe they don't need to hype it too much until the the recruits actually start visiting. But 
we're finally starting to see some video kind of creep out of this new football facility that George is opening up. Coaches have kind of been shown seeing their offices for the first time. Some players were shown on social media yesterday seeing the weight room and some of the meeting space there for the first time. Comfortable new you know locker facility in this you know a football building separate from the West End Zone locker room that's at there at the stadium. How much do you think the timing of this facility opening up? when the floodgate of visitors are about to kind of roll through Athens starting in June, how much does this help Georgia in terms of just making the visits a little bit more interesting for players and their families who are chomping at the bit to make some of these visits? Yeah, Brandon, I I, I guess it would kind of feel like most Dog Nation uh, patrons would if the next time they go to Sanford Stadium, the seats are all air-conditioned and cooled and you've got an interactive kiosk and you have touchscreen ordering or something like that. I know – I know new AD Josh Brooks wants to make things better for the fans and just those grab-and-goes, but um, it's really the perfect storm. It's a nexus of uh, the need, the desire, and, oh, yeah, Georgia's rolling out. I mean, everybody likes to say Kirby Smart on message boards, or I hear fans when we talk to good people, like we'll talk to them tonight at Truist Park. They think Kirby Smart, they call him the Kang, or they say, he plays 4D underwater chess when it comes to recruiting. Well, you know, I don't know if he had a contingency plan, but if there's ever a break for uh, recruiting for 15 months, let's make sure when the door is open, let's, let's be able to show him a brand-new $70 million-plus facility, new palatial offices, the barbershop. You know, Brandon, I, I, everything short of a Ferris wheel and, like, a free-fall tower, I think that's what Georgia's going to have for recruits in the month of June to really show off a new – ascending uh, place-to-be type school at the University of Georgia. And, of course, anything that's new is kind of always fun, but I'm also imagining for a lot of these recruits, you know, let's face it, everywhere they visit, they have some sort of bell or whistle to show off. And I can almost imagine if you're a recruit or a family of a recruit, you could get a certain degree of facility fatigue, you know, when everything is nice, nothing really stands out. So, I mean, how much does this help create the extra edge knowing that, you know, as much as George is proud of the brand new building that it has, everybody's got some sort of aspect of their building that they're really proud of, whether it's brand new or just something that's been around for a couple of years. How much does, you know, uh, a new building provide an edge? I think it does because everybody's going to start comparing now. And, you know, I think a, a great, a great enterprising SEC writer, a good story for them would be kind of ranking the new facilities, you know, Alabama, still kind of that Tiffany's pace, still kind of that gold standard with, you know, everything they have going on in Tuscaloosa. They're continuing to add. Auburn's retooling. You always hear about facility upgrades at LSU and Texas A&M. I think when you add the, the stadium, the recruiting lounge, the, the indoor practice facility now, the House of Pain, this new complex to go along with what, what was there at Butts anyway, I think when you put all those pieces together – it's going to give Georgia a pretty good portfolio of, I guess, uh, ways to impress along with the rest of the country and along with the rest of the SEC. I guess i got to throw Oregon in there as one of the, the schools with the finest facilities in the land. Um, and it's all funded by donors. It's all funded by boosters. It's all funded by wins. I, I, I always continue to think that all these, this round of facilities upgrades was really brought to you by that 2017 season. That's when all this stuff got earmarked and rubber stamped and uh, plans set in motion for Georgia to be able 
to have a certainly grand reveal, Brandon. I think this is our third or fourth grand reveal we've been tracking. They grand revealed the indoor practice facility. Yeah. They grand revealed the, the outdoor, the recruiting lounge, the West End Zone. And now they're grand revealing everything that should take Georgia's uh, football makeup into A1A territory. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Uh, I mentioned the June recruiting. You know, it's just going to be an incredible time. And there's already a lot of curiosity and interest based on you know, what's George going to have going on around that time? You know, for people who are just trying to kind of keep up with the news, I mean, how can you kind of thumbnail sketch this for us right now in terms of big guys not just taking visits, but, you know, some of the bigger targets for Georgia really expect to take their official visits here during the month of June there as well. You know, how, how much can you kind of summarize all of this and kind of an easy-to-consume package here of just how crazy it's about to be really starting in a couple of weeks for the next few weeks after that? Yeah, it's going to be different. They're going to have the month of June wide open, so many unofficial visits. There'll be workouts, kind of individual, private workouts with a lot of players that Georgia really needs to figure out whether they elevate them or they keep them where they're at on the board. Um, you're going to see all these official visits. You're going to have guys, uh, you know, perfect example is Mikel Williams and Christian Miller, two vital defensive line targets. They're going to be in there that first weekend in June uh, on unofficial visits, and yet that's the same time that Gunnar Stockton, Denylon Morissette, Oscar Delp, Addison Nichols, Aaron Bryant, um, let me see, the list goes on and on, Kojo Antwi, those, all those guys are going to be in town on their officials, but they're, all these other guys are going to be in there on unofficials. So that's kind of a way for you to parlay a second official visit um, with all the bells and whistles that are going to be there. Oscar Delp told us the story last week on Before the Hedges where he said he's already got schools asking him what type of steak he wants to eat, what he likes to eat, what's on the menu. Um, I, I got to imagine it's going to be information overload and fun overload for a lot of these guys. And, you know, Georgia, with all this recruiting budget they've saved up for about two years, Brandon, I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at these recruits to impress them. And I believe Georgia will do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked this week on the show about the ways in which actual teammates might be drawing closer together because of the fact that you know last year they were forced to stay apart you know meeting space you were limited to who you could have in there you were limited to kind of who you could bring into the weight room to work out together and everybody's wearing masks and there were just a lot last year that made players I'm sure not feel quite as close to their teammates as they otherwise would and I think about the same thing from recruiting at least a little bit in that, obviously, a lot of these guys know each other well. I love what Denial and Morris said, said with you on uh, Before the Hedge was presented by Kroger uh, this past Wednesday, that, that top players know each other, and I certainly get that. They're group texts, there's social media interaction, and there's even still some opportunity to get face-to-face with each other last year, unofficial unofficial visits, you know, uh, impromptu visits to towns, if not full tours on campus. And yet, for some of these guys, not only are they going to get to know Georgia better when they show up on campus, but they're also going to get get to know each other better a little bit too. The bonds that can only be deepened by that kind of face to face contact, sharing multiple nights together in Athens in some cases, and I think that as a way of potentially benefiting UGA recruiting as well. Well, here's what's different, Brandon. You know, a lot of times you know the guys in the class, and they're already in, in the group chat or the commitment to the G chat or the G chat or whatever it's been called over various years. And they know everybody. They know about that offensive lineman from Tennessee. They know about that defensive lineman from Mississippi and that kid from New Orleans and the receiver from Florida and the running back from North Carolina or the running back from from Mississippi. They know each other, but now they don't. They don't 
they don't know each other even any more than DMs or Snapchats or, or text messages. They got a, maybe a, a glimpse of their personality, but they don't know how big that guy is. They don't know how massive this man's forearms or thighs are. They don't, they don't know each other. And I think that was always a really good thing for Georgia where all those top guys would go, well, if I want to beat these guys that I know are coming to Georgia right now, I've either got to go to one school or another school, or better yet, I might just go play with all these guys because those guys are going to win a lot of big things and a lot of big rings, or at least play for those games. And I think that, that, sort, of, that sort of camaraderie, those guys just getting together and finding out, hey, you know, that guy's a pretty cool dude, or, or you know, that guy's a little off-tune off for me. I think that's a vital part of recruiting that's been missing. Yeah, I think the same schmoozing, the same information display and exchange has kind of still been happening as much as possible over an Internet Wi-Fi connection. But I don't think that the guys getting to know each other, to pile around, to walk the streets of Athens, to breathe the air, to look around and look at the greens and the reds and the blacks of a beautiful Athens day, I think that's all to come, and I think that stuff is still undefeated when it comes to Georgia recruiting. And I also think about certain visits, like, you know, Kojo Antwi's upcoming visit comes to mind here for me. Uh, a guy at one point in time, we were hearing some chatter about, ooh, he may be interested in Texas A&M. There may be something going on there. And, you know, before that, you'd hear, like, an Ohio State or something like that. And, you know, maybe, maybe they are still involved. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you tell me on that. My point, though, is is it seems like a couple of these visits are pivotal in terms of you either want to kind of pump some gas on some recruiting momentum that favors Georgia or pump the brakes on what at times appears to be some recruiting momentum maybe favoring a different school you know if, if you put Antwi in that category who are a couple of the other specific visitors that you think you know from a timeline perspective this is really crucial for yeah I think uh Georgia can do some good work with uh Antwi. he even said publicly on the record this week that he was bound down to two schools didn't name the schools, but every inclination would tend to indicate that it's probably Georgia and A&M there. Um, but you, you see, uh, you know, I think Tamari Wilson's going to get to Athens a couple of times yeah. this summer. I think those are going to be very big for Georgia. Same thing for Keon Sab. I think Georgia is desperate to get the right outside linebacker types in this year and also the right cornerback types in this year. I'm not going to say desperate in terms of there's a – there's a void of resources there, no. But what it is is there. You look look if Georgia has the season and it's expected to in 2021. You should see Adam Anderson. You can see Nolan Nolan Smith. You can see a lot of lot lot even more reps open up on the edge for their their A one A or their most impressive, uh, you know, outside Wolfpack one defender. So there's the defensive lines. We're just going to lose a lot on the defensive line. I think a lot of those visits, you, know, you keep going up and down the list, Tyler Booker. First of all, if Matt Luke could find a way to sign Tyler Booker or another top 50 offensive lineman in this class, uh, maybe he needs to be working on some of the greater problems in the world and not just Georgia, making sure they're three All-Americans deep at every position. Because I think should that happen, that would be one of probably one of the best fit feathers in his cap for his recruiting so far at Georgia, and there's been quite a lot. The wide receiver position, I still think that's the way this class will ultimately be viewed. That's Evan Stewart. That's a young man by the name of Andre Green Jr. Um, out of the state of Virginia that Georgia's in a battle with North Carolina with. Um, I think there's a lot of those players like that. Georgia's got to get ludicrous and blistering athleticism and explosiveness at receiver every year. And I think those would be really the key points. 
Uh, Delp is an amazing talent as well. Georgia could just keep stacking right there if they were able to earn his signature. I know, Brandon, you saw uh, on Hedges last week, you know, where Delp said Georgia's probably won his mom over already. Yeah. Uh, and he was fine with saying that. Uh, you got the young man there that's been heavily recruited by Georgia. Told me he's probably gotten over 500 edits. But I want to come back to this point, Brandon. So much of this is backwards. You know, everybody said, you know, everybody's going to have a great visit. Don't put too much stock in the visits. Well, now this is kind of like a reverse mortgage type thing here with the recruiting process because everybody is going to put too much stock in these official visits. A lot of these kids are ready, and they're just ready to test drive about five schools on five visits, and then they want to make their decision and be done with it. And that's such a different way from recruiting. And that's why facilities matter, Brandon, because they're going to see Florida one week, and that's going to be fresh in their mind, and they're going to see Georgia the next week, and they're going to see Alabama after that. So if you're missing anything in a certain area, so many of these kids have either spreadsheets or legal pads where they go, okay, I'm going to give this school this in the scale of 1 to 10. I'm going to give this school that in the scale of 1 to 10. This school has that. This school doesn't have have this yet. I mean, everything from mood lighting to sleep pods to massage chairs to barbershops to lounge areas, everything from stock tickers that tell you where all the NFL guys have signed and what they've signed for, all that's going to come in play, Brandon. This is a true arms race month when all these visits are happening in the month of June. Oh, that's really interesting stuff. It's on the road. Assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today, and Jeff truly has been on the road. In fact, coming up in a moment, we'll get an update from him on four-star running back Branson Robinson, one of those backs that you kind of think uh, Georgia is heavily involved with here for the class of 2022. But let me remind you, though, that when it comes to AAA, I want you to think about them for auto insurance because those who switch and save with AAA save an average of $529. That's a great, great deal and a great, great chance for you to take advantage of that today. Simply go to AAA.com. That's A-A-A, AAA.com slash auto insurance, and you can do what so many others in our audience have done. That's switch and save your auto insurance with AAA here today. All right, so, Jeff, you have been on the road. You have been in the Magnolia State in Mississippi. You've got a chance to see up close and personal Branson Robinson, one of those running back names that, man, you know, I know he's you know compared to himself and uh, has been compared to Nick Chubb. You kind of understand where that comes from. Jeff, when I watched the film for Branson Robinson, to me, this just looks like a running back that needs to be at Georgia, whether it's the Chubb comparison or not. It just sort of feels like he'd fit right, right into what, you know, Georgia's trying to do there at that position. Uh, what was your takeaway after having gotten a chance to spend some time with him personally? Uh, massive. I think that's the word, Brandon. Uh, the size. I heard some people have, have proclaimed to me that they look like South Georgia Oaks. Well, I think that's understatement. I think they're more like California Redwoods. The way the young man is built, I mean, he's, the one thing is maybe he's not quite 5'11", maybe right at 5'10", but so broad, barrel-chested. I don't even know if that, that word does it justice. Uh, maybe like Stone Mountain-chested to me sounds a little bit more appropriate just because of how chiseled the man is. Uh, very funny guy, very fun guy. He's a, ki- he's a kid that uh, – when they, I was at their scrimmage to, in their in their spring practice yesterday evening, and uh, they would do these really fun celebrations after every touchdown. I think Brandon only had, Branson only had like you know five or six carries because it, it, maybe it was a pitch count, but they know what Branson Robinson can do there. But they did that thing where he scored one time, or somebody scored one time, and all the skill guys sat down in a row like they were in a canoe and started rowing the boat in the end zone. Um, there were some sky fives. 
really a lot of fun watching him just interact. And the other thing, Brandon, is because they were they were kind of limited. They didn't want to take anybody to the ground, uh, and not everybody was padded up totally, but like especially like around their knee pads and stuff like that. So it was basically an exercise in futility trying to get Branson Robinson on the ground. I know there's one clip I tweeted out from the practice yesterday where um, Branson makes a move and looks like he's smothered by a mountain of men and, you know, escapes and finds his way to the corner. Um, Really big thing for him. I mean, you look at him, Georgia, he told me Georgia's still his leader. Really, Brandon, it's going to be three schools, it sounds like. It's going to be Georgia, uh, Clemson, and Alabama. That might be back-to-back weeks. I think Tennessee's going to get an official visit from Branson Robinson. He might save one in the pocket for um, for LSU. That's another school he's looking at right there. But really, he told me uh, that, that he's a guy that's not going to say to himself, i got to get through all four of these before I make a decision. He's coming strapped to say, this feels right. I don't see no need to continue things on and waste my time or waste anybody else's time. So that first weekend, uh, I know you had the, the long list of names there. You know, Branson Robinson, uh, what is it, a 415 bench, a, a 715 deadlift, a 630 squat. He was telling me about he was in the powerlifting championships, Brandon, in Mississippi. And I asked him, I said, what's the, um, what was there a discrepancy? Because, you know, you, say four, you, you said you've gotten 415 max on the bench, but your, your mark in the, uh, the Mississippi powerlifting championship was something like 385, 390. And I was like, it sort of fluctuated like some of these track times this month. And he said the Mississippi powerlifting state rules is you have to bring that that weight all the way down to your chest, and you have to hold it for one second before you fire it back up. And that's why Branson Robinson was only only able to power up a mere 390 pounds off his chest. The big underrated thing, because everybody, this legend around Dog Nation is already growing because you look at his physical stature, and all this weight he moves around. But, Brandon, there's some suddenness to him. There's some uh, quick first step elusiveness to him. Uh, there's some speed there to the package as well where, I mean, he's an under 11 flat 40 guy. Uh, he's a four five not mid four five guy, uh, according to Germantown's uh, preseason timing. He's, he's a lot faster than most might think, and he's not just a – an M1 Abrams tank kind of rolling down A-gap and B-gap and out the edge. Really good stuff, Jeff. And I know that Robinson wasn't the only player you visited while you've been out and about here as of late. So I know there's a lot of great stuff coming on both Before the Hedges presented by Kroger and, of course, uh, at the pages of DogNation.com in the days to come. But I know a lot of UGA fans were really eager to hear that update on that uh, great-looking running back prospect. So I appreciate you providing that. Jeff, I can also say that I am so excited about seeing you tonight. Uh, we, you and I really haven't even seen each other that, that much in person over the course of the last year plus either. So a chance for us to spend some time together, but a lot of Georgia fans there for that there as well for our big, big, big Dog Nation Days of Summer event there at the Battery Atlanta in Truist Park. I, I'm really excited about that, Jeff. Can't wait to uh, see you there and certainly appreciate you being with us here today. Yeah, man. And hey, I got to tell one story. So I was there to see Branson yesterday, but I knew there was a young man, Xavier Harris, with a Georgia offer mostly an all-SCC top six, and it's a funny story. So I, I tweeted out some clips, and everybody's like, Dad Gummit, man, great googly moogly. Who's that number 51? Well, that number 51 was Xavier Harris. And a funny story his coach said, uh, he told me about recruiters were calling this month, just trying to verify heights, and they go, 
we want to make sure that he's six foot five. Is that about what you get? You guys have him at? And Tim Shramick was like, "No, I'm sorry, that's inaccurate. That's not his current height." And recruiters are so used to hearing things like, "Oh, so he's like six four and a half, or a little over six four, not quite six five. Is that that just a you know an inflated number a little bit?" And Shramick, really good dude, was like, "No, that's not it at all. He's actually six eight now. Wow, six foot eight and about three fifty five and." Brandon, I know people will say, and they look at the film, and they go, dude, that's a right tackle. That's an offensive lineman. Uh, and this isn't Amarius Mims' body. But, like, you look at him, man, and, and he can get down the line. He can make some plays laterally. He can move his feet. He plays basketball for the Germantown High Mavericks team. And, you know, he will make you think that a six foot eight kid can play some defensive line, can play some defensive tackle. I mean, just the size is menacing. It kind of brings to mind some of those big Alabama Z tackles they've had over recent years as well. Yeah, really fascinating stuff, Jeff. Thank you so much for sharing that. Can't wait to read more about that at DogNation.com, and can't wait to see. Can't wait to see you tonight for Dog Nation days of summer at the Battery in Truist Park as the Braves take on the Pirates. Braves baseball, Dog Nation, sounds like a perfect storm there too, Brandon. Look forward to seeing everybody. That is Jeff Sintel on the road, assisted by AAA. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yes, so, so excited about tonight. Appreciate Jeff Sintel being with us there on the road, assisted by AAA. But for those of you who uh, gotten tickets, going to be with us, I cannot wait for Dog Nation Days of Summer. And for those of you who said, well, you know, B, I couldn't quite get in on this or I had something I had to do and wasn't able to to set out to, you know, get those tickets and be a part of that, we're going to have a lot more f- fun stuff coming, including, by the way, September 4th going to be here before you know it. Big, big, big announcement on the horizon related to that. But I just am excited today. That's why I got my Braves jersey on. I uh, got, the, of course, the Gator Haters shirt underneath that still. But just ready to go for a uh, great, great time here tonight. Jeff going to be there. Uh, our buddy Mike Griffith is traveling for work, so Mike will not be with us there this evening. Otherwise, he would be. But he's, as we say in the business, he's on assignment. So uh, we won't uh, see Mike here tonight, but we will see Connor Riley and a whole bunch of fun. Uh, Dog Nation Days of Summer. Battery Atlanta, truest part. What a great time that's going to be. We're all going to the game together tonight, too. So that's going to be a uh, big-time, big-time fun. By the way, speaking of big-time fun in the summer, of course, our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort know what that's all about, whether it's the original property or Harris Cherokee Valley River. Unbelievable gaming floor, world-class, you know, gourmet dining, you know, luxurious spa, tremendous shopping opportunities. The sports book is open. Uh, sports gaming now available in the mountains of western North Carolina. And the great news is, whether it's the Harris Cherokee Casino Resort or Harris Cherokee Valley River, both, just a two-hour drive from where I'm sitting right here in the Atlanta area, very close to you there as well. So Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. You can find out a whole lot more about the Harris Cherokee Casino Resort properties. Make sure you check that out today. So I think it's really interesting that CBS, we talked, uh, was it yesterday's show about Kirby being ranked as the number seven coach, you know, according to CBS. And the rest of these SEC rankings are pretty interesting here. And there are a couple of takeaways I want to kind of run through this. And to me, it's really interesting about the the SEC co- coaches who are kind of clustered together. And like the one thing you know, the SEC is a little bit of a zero-sum league. If you have success, you're kind of taking food off someone else's table to do that. So think about these groups of coaches together for a moment. 
Frank Beamer, bottom of the list in terms of Power 5. I should, should say Shane Beamer, bottom of the list in terms of Power 5 coaches. He's at 65th. You got Clark Lee at um, Vanderbilt, according to CBS. He's at 63rd. Nobody really cares about him anyway. Josh Heupel at Tennessee. He's at 52nd. And I'll lump in Eli Drinkwitz, a second-year coach at Missouri, who comes in at 43rd. You know, Drinkwitz has had a little bit more first-year success at Missouri, a little bit of experience. That's why he gets the nod of some of those other guys. But between, like, say, Beamer and Heupel, Drinkwitz, and if you want to include Lee, you can, they can't all be successful. One of them probably will have, you know, kind of consistent success that gives him a chance to go on kind of a five-year run of employment. One of those guys is going to be just kind of average. His fans probably complain about him. At least one of those guys will probably be fired within the next three years. That's just kind of the way that goes. So you kind of lump Beamer, Lee, Heupel, Drinkwitz together on that. I think you can also do the same thing in the SEC West with Sam Pittman, who comes in at number 50 on the list of CBS's top coaches in the Power Five. I'd say Pittman's rated way too low, but that's just my opinion. Mike Leach at 33rd, Lane Kiffin at 30. I believe that Kiffin's probably too high. And then Brian Harson, because of the success that he's had at Boise State, comes in at 27. Once again, much the same way. You know, that's a pretty crowded field there. Pittman, who I would say was the best of the first-year coaches in the SEC West, at least last year, competing for limited resources, limited capital opportunities with, you know, Kiffin and Leach and Harson, who's got some experience. Once again, one of those guys is still employed five years from now. One of those guys is fired a year from now. You know, there's just going to be, you know, only so much success to go around. I think that's really interesting. And watching how all that plays out is obviously one of the reasons why we love the SEC so much. A couple other notes to get to here. I think it's interesting that Mark Stoops at Kentucky comes in at number 22, given the fact that he's one spot ahead of a much more hyped coach, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I mean, how about the idea of this? For all the attention that Harbaugh once got when he took the job at Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor as it stands now, Mark Stoops quietly at Kentucky, at least according to CBS Sports, has built the better program over the course of his time there. I think that's pretty interesting. I obviously am going to have a problem with this, and I think the numbers bear this out. They've got Dan Mullen rated 10th and Ed Orgeron rated 11th. Now, let me ask you this. I know I'm a Gator hater. I got the Gator hater t-shirt on today. I, I totally understand that I'm a, a Dan Mullen critic. But how can you possibly justify Mullen over Orgeron? You can't go back to the recent past. Orgeron's won a national championship. Dan Mullen's claim to fame at Florida is a four-loss season. And by the way, that's a season which Orgeron beat him head-to-hand again a year ago, even though that was an obviously down year for the Tigers. So if the recent past doesn't argue in favor of uh, Dan Mullen over Ed Orgeron, what about the future? If I give you each, either of these two programs, and by the way, you know Georgia fans aren't LSU fans either, so Georgia fans really have no dog in this fight. But if I give you the next five years, the next 10 years, you want the success that Ed Orgeron's likely to have at LSU or the success that Dan Mullen is likely to have at Florida based on the way they recruit. I'm really not quite sure. You know, The media just falls all over itself to constantly praise and pat Dan Mullen on the back. I'm honestly not sure where it comes from, especially at the expense of Ed Orgeron rated a spot below Dan Mullen. There is zero data to justify that. And then at the top of the list, we talked about this yesterday, Jimbo ahead of Kirby. I feel kind of the same way about Jimbo has won a national championship. That's a long time ago. Uh, the fact of the matter is, I think that Kirby's record against other top coaches is the number one argument for him. And of course, for now, Nick Saban's still number one on that list with a whole bunch of folks in the SEC trying to find a way to change that. We'll make that your SEC through. And as we wrap up here today, kind of a special edition of our Golden Shoe, we give this out each and every day. Today, the Golden Shoe is going to go to the folks 
who made our t-shirts for tonight. These are our Dog Nation Days of Summer t-shirts for tonight. You see the Dog Nation Days of Summer logo on the sleeve, kind of in a baseball. For those of you watching on video, how about the Dog Nation you know, baseball jersey themed shirt here? To me, this is really cool. We're going to be giving these away tonight at our Dog Nation Days of Summer event. I love the baseball themed. I, I guess you call this a jersey. I believe that's the way these are uh, described. Kind of a Dog Nation jersey here. 21, the jersey number in honor of obviously 2021. Us getting back together again tonight. So the golden shoe today goes to those who made these really cool Dog Nation Days of Summer t-shirts. Uh, the Dog Nation baseball jersey. We'll see at Truist Park for all that tonight. By the way, speaking of lousy, stinking, gators, gator, hater, countdown 162 days from right now. You have a great weekend. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We'll see you Monday. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Of course, you can find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. Good time of year to start thinking about getting that air conditioning tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Boy, it'll keep you cool all summer if you do. A few comments here, and of course, we always love when you weigh in with me either on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section when we post the show at DogNation.com. The other day, you may have heard me mention the commenter William Perry uh, at uh, ISOTIT on Twitter uh, says, uh, B.A., you said something pretty funny today mentioning William Perry's name. He said it made me think of William the Refrigerated Perry, and he gives you kind of a cool photo here of Refrigerator Perry actually leaning next to a refrigerator, which is pretty funny. Um, also, Anthony White checks in on Twitter at Georgia Pride 8 to say that he and his wife are hitting the road right now, leaving from Tennessee on the way to uh, Truist Park here tonight for our Dog Nation Days of Summer event. Can't wait to meet Dog Nation Daily and the entire Dog Nation staff. Uh, boy, Anthony, I'm really glad you're coming in. Can't wait to see you there as well. Really funny stuff. Also, a couple of golden shoe submissions that are really funny. And this is actually pretty helpful. Um, somebody shared this with me. Let me see if I can find this again. Where'd this go? Um, yeah, Dogtown Rambler shared this with me from John Tweet Sports. So, uh, John Tweet Sports wrote in to say that Georgia is going to be on the south sideline at Bank of America Stadium, uh, which is called, as he says, the home Panther sideline. Uh, he says teams are going to be aligned geographically with Clemson on the north side and Georgia on the south. He said he called the Charlotte Sports Foundation and confirmed that. So uh, that's pretty good stuff there uh, from John. We had some people, I think it was our video cool down the other day that asked about that. So that is a helpful information there. It looks like uh, Clemson's going to be on the north and Georgia's going to be on the south or what's called the home sideline. Uh, so good stuff from John Tweet Sports about that. I need to make sure I try to mention that on the video podcast. I should say the video cool down at some point in time. A couple of, uh, f of comments at dognation.com. UGA Dad 20 referencing the CBS stuff from yesterday says, hey, CBS Chip Patterson, Kirby Smart needs to show the same thing every college football coach needs to show. That's to beat Nick Saban and the Bama NFL farm system. Until Saban retires, the smart bet would be to take Saban Bama versus the field every year. And I, I guess, you know, part of my frustration with how Kirby Smart gets judged and it's not unfair to say that until Smart, you know, kind of topples a big beam with like Alabama, he hasn't finished all of his business to Georgia. I don't think that's unfair to say that. I think that's pretty clearly true. But to kind of judge him as lacking because he hasn't done that when most of the top coaches in college football don't have to come anywhere near, um, you know, Nick Saban. For instance, you know, like Lincoln Riley is ready to head a Kirby Smart. You know, the knock on Kirby as well, he hasn't won a national championship yet. But when Lincoln Riley's gone head to head with Alabama, he's lost as well. Ryan Day is ranked ahead of Kirby Smart for some reason. But when Smart went head to head with, I'm sorry, with when, when Ryan Day went head to head with Alabama, he lost that game too. It's like, you know, we judge Kirby compared to Alabama because of the proximity of Georgia to Alabama. But ultimately, you know, 
a lot of these other programs are kind of graded more kindly because they are in conferences, leagues, portions of the country where you don't have to judge yourself as frequently by the measuring stick of Alabama. And uh, I just think it's it's just kind of fair to point that out that that the path that Kirby is trying to travel on his way to top coach in college football, leader of the best program in college football through the SEC, especially at a time in which Alabama's in this league, just a really tough thing to do. And that doesn't take any of the pressure off Smart to do it. He is here to win at the highest level. That's why he was hired. But as he is doing what he's doing, let's not grade Kirby more harshly on this than we grade other coaches. I think UGA Dad 20 brings up a pretty good point. One Sikkim Dogs one on our comment section at dognation.com on the CBS list once again, which we mentioned on today's show and yesterday's show, says, when I saw the name Jim Harbaugh on the list, that told me just how big of a joke that really is. He's not a top coach in his own weak little 10 conference, much less the country. Well, in fairness, though, I mean, he was only 23rd on the list. And for a guy who's paid as much as he is and hyped at one point in time as much as he was, the fact that CBS you know, ranks him only 23rd as a top 25 type coach I think speaks to the fact that, boy, a lot of the gloss really has come off of Harbaugh, as we, as we said on today's show. You know, you look at Mark Stoops, who, you know, at least in terms of the average fan or most of the national media, has far less fanfare. The fact that Stoops at Kentucky rates ahead of Harbaugh at Michigan, boy, that tells you the way in which the Harbaugh star has really fallen lately. Jim Dog 85 says Katie Johnson going to Auburn sounds about right. He should fit right in. I hope Kareen is recruited well for the next season. We don't have anyone left off last year's team. <laughs> Somebody had sent me this, uh, like, Tom Crane, Home Alone type graphic of, you know, a, a coach with a team, without a team, or something along those lines. And, yeah, I mean, right now there's a lot to rebuild around the Georgia basketball program, and maybe Georgia's adding some players that, that give it a chance to do just that. But pretty clearly seeing another Georgia player land at another SEC school this week was, was a little tough to see. UGA 66 weighs in on the Kirby Smart Nick Saban comparison to say you may beat Saban in the first half but he's king of the comeback in the second Kirby Smart really needs to hunker down in the second half and make the changes needed to remain in the lead that is where nearly every team beaten by this uh wily old veteran uh he's uh skillfully he's skillfully adapts I know Kirby Smart can accomplish this I do not think Nick Saban is unbeatable UG is getting stronger and smarter tremendously talented team I believe well coached they need to gel That'll make the difference. JT Daniels will get it done this year, UGA 66 says. He's uh, right now working with receivers in California under the hand of a proven pro. Come on, dogs. This is your year. So I think that's uh, I think that's all really well said. I think it's true. Like The one thing you won't hear me saying a lot is, oh, it proves how great Kirby Smart is that he's had a lead against Alabama at the half the last three times that he's played. That doesn't seem to prove the point that I think some people kind of want it to, and I think that UGA 66 is right about that. It's about what you do for the full 60 minutes there, whether it's an adjustment or just playing with the same level of consistency throughout the game that you that you play with in the early portions of the game. I think that's a that's a that's a big final hurdle left for Georgia to leap over, and I think those are all really good comments. Thanks for being here for RS Andrews podcast cool down today. Check them out online as I said before at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They'll show up on time, do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. Hope all of you have a great weekend. For those of you who will be with us tonight for our Dog Nation Days of Summer event, looking forward to seeing you there. And for everybody else, back here again on Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll talk to you then, everybody.